<laughs> electric, electric organ. Play ball. Harpsichord. Yeah, I, that's true. I feel like going on a merry-go-round. <laughs> I think we're, um, didn't know you got off. I think we're circling around the music that we need, but another merry-go-round. Just still joke. haven't quite nailed it. Oh. <laughs> anyway, look. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down, pressure test, and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and with me are Cars Guide's fearless editor Mal. G'day. And longtime valued contributor Tim Robbo Robson. Hey. This week, among other things, we'll look at an automotive gender breakthrough, Mazda's concession to market forces, and the prospect of a monster payday for Danny Ricky. So stay with us. But first, Musk Watch. Okay, so first up, it's Elon's birthday today. And look, he turns 47, but like Peter Pan, I'm sure he intends never to grow up. And uh, he, he, this week, has tweeted in response to the allegation that there was, in fact, a specific mode for the semi-trailer, like the prime mover, electric prime mover that he's making, Mad Max mode, and he tweeted saying it's real. So it's the blind spot threshold. Robbo, I think you spotted this, didn't you? Absolutely, mate. It's, it's, a, it's another one of those either genius or flawed genius ideas from, from the fertile brain of Elon. Yep. Uh, you don't know whether it's a joke, you don't know whether it's real, but, but the essential idea behind it is that it'll monitor the blind spot and basically allow the truck to move when, it's indi- when yep. it indicates, but in a more aggressive way. So it'll... If it's mandated to give it a 50-metre clearance, I yep. guess Mad Max will shut that down to a, a 5-metre clearance. I guess with cars uh, that are electronically controlled, you could pretty much slot it into a gap that's a couple of centimetres. So but this is something that's out there in testing, um, and it's standard, aggressive, and Mad Max. So Tesla customers can't see it. It's in this truck. But it just kind of gives you an insight into the thinking of you know, the dear leader Elon and his, his techs that Mad Max mode is seen as something that's a positive. You know, thumbs up to that one. I, I assume he's referring to Fury Road. That's the vision that pops into my head. Well, I presume so. Yeah, that's right. right. But And so therefore, it's helping a truck to change lanes faster. And more aggressively. More aggressively. Probably on fire. How do you feel when you're beside a truck on the motorway? Intimidated. Mm. Mm. And cautious. Doesn't sound very wise. <laughs> no. And if you think about too, right-hand drive, left-hand drive, assuming this thing gets made, assuming yep. it actually gets outside the US, there's been instances in Europe where a left-hand drive car or a right-hand drive car coming against an alternately seated yep. truck will yep. disappear. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so it's, as usual, it's madness. And you could say it's ludicrous. Ludicrous ah. mode. No one's but, made that joke. Okay, so the semi, we've probably forgotten about that because it got, it got kind of backgrounded by the whole roadster thing. But there's a bunch of new models coming down, the Model Y, the Roadster, the semi-trailer, all that stuff, and the pickup truck. So it's going to be a larger-than-Ford F-150 pickup. And Elon was on the Twitters again you know, this week talking about how it's going to be this and that and, and so fantastic. So come on, followers, tell me what next-level stuff you'd like to see on that truck. And some people actually took him seriously and came back with some suggestions. Others said they wanted, you know, solar power paint and rocket propulsion and lasers. And I thought that was all useful input. And one guy, Jerry Cutini, simply said, ship to customers on time. Boom. 
bang. Which is a perfect segue to your next point. So, it's a big, big week at the end of the second quarter of the year, end of the first half. And, look, there was some chest beating and Elon was determined that Model 3 production would get to, initially it was 5,000, but you'll probably recall if you're a regular listener, that he did say in an internal email that he'd go for a burst build number of 6,000 by the end of June. Now, that's tomorrow. And according to the Bloomberg Model 3 production tracker, uh, we're currently at 2,831. And that was off the back of 1,566 uh, last year, last week. And Matty Campbell did say they were probably keeping their powder dry to go for a big, a big week this week to try and hit a number. And on the face of that, I think that's a fail as well. So really, there it is in black and white. Maybe next week we'll tell a different story, but I think that's a big F. Even despite the uh, the presence of the big tent, James. That's oh, the big tent, the marquee. Yeah. yeah, the wedding marquee. Where do you think they're still going to have people standing out front at the front of the gates, waving candles? Maybe not candles. I, LED. I don't know. I don't know. LED torches. Candles. I don't you know. know. No idea. Anyway, Excited about it. Look, it didn't happen. Matt Campbell was naysaying the whole way through. He's a great naysayer, and um, he's been proven right. Uh, so there you go. Prove us wrong, Elon, and build you know six thousand in the coming week. We'd love to see it. I can't wait till next pod, next week's podcast. But speaking of big, week, big weeks, it's been a big week in Saudi Arabia, which is allegedly the last country in the world where women were actually forbidden uh, from driving a car. So breakthrough of all breakthroughs, now they are. And to celebrate, there was a Saudi woman at Paul Ricard uh, who on the morning of the Grand Prix last weekend drove a 2012 uh, Renault. I think it was one that Kimi had won a race in somewhere or other. Uh, when he was driving for Renault, around the circuit. And I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. What a great statement. It's a brilliant PR stunt, yep. but I would love to drive an F1 car, but oh. I'm more than happy for her to this week. Okay. Well, I mean, you're in touch with your feminine side. You could you could probably just celebrate. Why not? Thank you, James. Okay. But uh, that's that's a great breakthrough. And um, now everyone in the world who uh, you know has two arms, legs and eyes to see with could uh, drive a car if they get the opportunity. Uh, so it's good. I can't believe we're still seeing this sort of thing within my lifetime, and I'm very young. Mm. Uh, wow. Well, I mean, for mine, there are some things that are cultural differences and you just have to kind of shrug your shoulders and say, okay, you run That's your country and your culture in a different way, but there are some things that are more fundamental rights, you know, to yeah. to be able to move around, to do things that other people can do. So for mine, being able to drive a car is close to a, a fundamental right, and um, that's been put right um, during the week, which is a good thing. It reminds me of uh, that great fact of Liechtenstein being the last to let women vote in 1984. 84? That was 84, and that sounds God. ridiculous. And that's this is driving a Europe. car in 2018. Well, speaking of competition cars, as we just were, Volkswagen has absolutely crushed Pikes Peak um, with its IDR, um, electric car and we all remember a few years ago it seems like yesterday but it was actually five years ago when wow. Sebastian Loeb went up there in the 208 T16 and destroyed the record well this thing's gone 16 seconds faster than that and if you know the climb dance video that Jean-Louis Murray made of Ari Vatanen um, chugging up there in 1988 that was 10 minutes 47 so he's Best part of three minutes faster than Ari Vatanen during that vid. Admittedly on a bitumen surface. Yeah, true. But, but still, but still. So was Seb. Seb was yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This, is, this is the key with the electric 
uh, power propulsion system, it doesn't get affected by the altitude that, right. that the previous uh, petrol powered and, and yeah, and they even send diesel powered trucks yeah. up that hill. Yeah, but the closer you get to the top, uh, the, the the thinner the air, the yeah. lower the power, the slower the car goes. Electric yeah. car, no such problem. And there's a laundry list of categories. Like they've got everything. You can yes. be the fastest, yes. whatever it is, yeah. up up Pikes Peak proper proper hill climb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a proper. It is still considered one of those last great adventures. There's no barriers. There's there's no, nothing to stop you plunging yeah. to a, a very early death of a very large. Well, climb. the other thing was, I remember one of our colleagues, one Jesse Taylor, telling me once when he went to Pikes Peak, he reckoned he could have probably hit the start line and just talked them into him, let him go up the hill in the Camry that he'd rented to get there. You know, it wasn't particularly formal event. Still grassroots. Yeah, grass yeah, roots. pretty grassroots. The guy at the top still got his the same woolen uh, checkered flag. Jumper, not, right. not flags, the jumper. Right, it's right. It's a checkered flag, and that's been a tradition for the last sort of fifteen years. It's, yeah, okay. It's Pikes Peaks drinking milk, is it? <laughs> right. um, can I say? Do you remember Mitsubishi had a go at Pikes Peak with an electric car, and I think twenty twelve. Yeah. Where have they been? Well, it's true, and you think about uh, Monster Tajima with his mm. uh, want to say Suzuki. Were they electric as well? Or tried one a couple, a couple of, of his ago. cars were. Yeah, he, did, yeah? he did try one a couple of years ago. Had a few technical issues. Because this Volkswagen looks like an absolute space vehicle. It's it's fantastic to and, look at. And built in eight months, would you believe? Really, they kind of had wow. half an idea to get this thing done. Right, and they just fired out obviously on the back of the of the new electric movement from from the Volkswagen. Because it's about five hundred kilowatts, which is Less than the Peugeot that Sebastian Loeb drove, but it must weigh nothing. But look at the form factor of it. It's so low to the ground. True. It's like a, not an aerial, what's yeah. a radical. It looks like a radical. Yeah, yeah. With yeah, a roof. Around, yeah. around 1,200, ki- oh, around 1,100, 1,200. 1,100 or 1,200. Yeah. Okay. So much yeah. more streamlined yeah. than Seb's yeah. car. Does 100 kilometres an hour in 2.2 seconds. Fine. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> um, now, I note the distance for Pikes Peak. 19.9 kilometres or thereabouts. Yeah, and about 3,000 corners. Mm. Yeah. Was it 150? Anyway, lots. It's, yeah, it's lots. There's something else that's about 20 kilometres long with 100 and something corners that I reckon they might be lining up for. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Nürburgring. Oh, with that car? Yeah, makes sense. Oh, okay, so, you know, having a look over their shoulder at corporate siblings' Porsche and what they're doing with their ex-Lamont car yeah. and going, all right, we're going to have a go at you. Unfortunately, I've, I've seen a few things about that 918 that basically they stripped the weight out of, took all the restrictors off that Lamont's car to go as fast as it possibly could. Yeah. They're not going to do Nürburgring. That's, oh, they're that, not? That's <gasps> the mail. Maybe they're, they're saving shot. it for Bummer. this. Well, I wonder if Pikes Peak is so long, and of course it is long, Nürburgring's longer, whether they run into battery issues and, and whether they run out of juice by the end of a lap, you know. Don't know. Who it knows? sounds like a calibration f- thing. It would be fantastic. And also, you probably need to raise your ride height a little bit. Yep. Um, not exactly the smoothest. <laughs> the, I had a look. The yep. existing uh, electric uh, ring record is 645.9, but it was a road car. Wow. The Chinese Neo EP9 last year. Wow. So given it's a road car, or, yep. you know, sort of a road car, a lot more of a road car than the IDR, Yes. I reckon the IDR would romp home. And uh, Volkswagen suggests they could have gone faster. They had the, the car was a un- bit, bit understeering, said uh, Ramon Demar. The Change the setup yeah. and they could go yeah, quicker. Absolutely. Wow. And maybe put uh, put Chesto behind the wheel, maybe put uh, Mal behind the wheel. We could probably I'm in. eke out another 10, 15 well, seconds. Well, I, I reckon one of the things that might have been missing from that car, maybe as a weight-saving device, would have been the, the multimedia. But, oh, yes. of course, uh, <laughs> Mazda, and Mal, you're very close to this, has blinked. They've um, they've given in to market forces and feedback about their multimedia. Fill us in. Okay, they announced this week at the CX-8 launch they are finally going to make CarPlay, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto 
available across their range later this year. Yep. It won't be standard. It'll be an option. Yep. Uh, it arrived, it actually was fitted to the BT-50 earlier this year and it's aftermarket uh, head unit system, but they've now developed a setup that will work in conjunction with the excellent MZD Connect. It's a module that plugs into the back with a software update as well. Right. Uh, and you'll be able to fit it to older Mazda Retrofit. too. Great. Any, yep. any Mazda with MZD Connect, so anything from 2014-ish onwards. Yep. Uh, I just hope it doesn't cost 600 bucks like BMW's optional CarPlay. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as we've discussed previously, it was a bit of a surprise to me, I've got to say, that it's such a deal breaker for people in the new car market that, you know, all of a sudden, if a car doesn't have that um, connectivity, nah, off the shopping list. Once you know, people really want to have their back. device seamlessly integrated into their car. Why learn another interface if yep. you don't need to? Yep. Just a straw poll, gentlemen. Uh, the Android component of this uh, wonderful technology. Big fan, as you are, of the uh, the CarPlay side. What about Android? I used it a couple of years ago. I just took the phone straight Now, you're off. an Android user, aren't you? I am an Android yep. user. My, my passion for CarPlay is really all about... You know, <laughs> reflecting our readers' interests. Gotcha. Uh, but Android Auto's improved a lot as well. Yeah. It's, you know, it's certainly better than the Honda system. It's better than a lot of others. It's it's still different to the interface on your phone, which is annoying. But yes. yeah. uh, for voice activation, it's pretty handy. Fantastic. You know, okay, Google, do this for me. Well, look, that simple. talking about entertainment while you're driving, here are some words from an Aussie icon we all know and love. Winton. <gasps> Two words from Winton to the 2018 competition. You lose. More thunder this year from the Aussie legend that's taken the performance world by storm. It's a piece of street art honed in a tough neighbourhood. Bathurst. Aero efficiency holds the Winton turbo down, but nothing holds it back. Talk of the devil, the upgraded Redback two-stroke V9 turbo now howls with even more power and is backed up by an even smoother evolution of Winton's own torque tumbler transmission. There's a Winton for every purpose except standing still, and you deserve a car this good. The 2018 Winton Turbo. One look says a lot, one drive says it all. Information not based on facts. Allow six to eight months for delivery. Not intended for highway use. Store in a cool, dry place. Actual results may vary. Do not use if seal is broken. Dry clean only. Keep frozen until ready to use. Remember to dial before you dig. Ah, yeah. The latest Winton <laughs> Turbo. It's Look, it is setting the market on fire. and I think my pants are on fire. Oh, yeah. Look, if I've you're going to drive that car, you want to you make sure you're serious. But it poses the question, unfortunately, as usual, you know, where's Frosty? He's promised so many times that he'll be here. He was at the World Cup um, during the week, unfortunately, an early exit uh, for Australia. But the FIFA Winton relationship also proved problematic. Oh, um, no, in the I thought there was, was a lock. Look, Frosty uh, wouldn't go into details, but he's got some big ideas for Saudi Arabia and he's making a detour there on the way home. The Women of Winton um, is his big idea. Watch this space. It's not a calendar, is it? Frosty's, <laughs> and Frosty's promised to drop in, promised, hand on heart, to drop in next week and fill us in on the details. Yep. Excellent. The Women of Winton. So in Saudi Arabia, it's fantastic. <laughs> It's a great export story. He's striking while the iron's hot. Good on him. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Go frosty. Now, speaking of striking while the iron's hot, Robbo, you you were telling us about the fact that VW and Ford will build trucks and vans together um, going forward. First of all, just give us the the, the detail on that and then how it might play into other relationships that are already existing or may come to pass in the future. Look, in terms of volume... um, 
trucks are not that big in terms as the the, the medium sized uh, pickup for most car companies isn't that big a market. To make it cheaper for themselves, they look to partner up with someone to make that cost more affordable. Let's look at the BT50 and Ford uh, Rangers as, as a great example of shared cars. So Ford is now talking to Volkswagen, which leads to the thoughts of where's the next Amarok going to come from? Where's the next Ranger going to come from? At the end of the day, we are talking about two long chassis rails, an engine yeah. and, and a body plonked on top. It's not the greatest tech. Because putting you on the spot, hmm. what is the future of the Ranger BT50 kind of thing? Does that have an end date on it at this point? Well, I guess it'll run to the end of this generation, this generation. of cars. Uh, yeah. And Azuzu has already uh, signed up with Mazda uh, to create the next BT50. Gotcha. So that's, de- that's forward looking for yeah. a new dance partner. And apparently that was yeah. just a, that was old drinking buddies from back in the day in Japan. Right. Got they rang each other up, said, "I think we should get together and let's let's reform the relationship between Mazda and Azuzu." Gotcha. Bob's your uncle, and that's how the next uh, BT50 uh, and uh, D Max will come about. Yep. So, in terms of that, we've already seen things like Mercedes Benz and Nissan. There's a there's a correlation there. You'll probably see further again. You'll see things like uh, the next uh, Triton, Mitsubishi Triton, will come from the Nissan family because they're all part of that one big conglomerate. The Renault, people. Nissan, Correct. Mitsubishi, absolutely. So Mercedes. it's all coming off the same. Yeah, yeah Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. All coming off that same platform, and it's all just to reduce costs because you don't need to reinvent the wheel 14 times to make essentially the same. As vehicle. you say, two rolls, uh, two rails, engine. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, gotcha. it's not about Volkswagen trying to build an F series, is it? There is talk of that. There was a, a large car that escapes my mind. It was launched in uh, in the New York show. At the New York show, they're doing Atlas. A, Atlas, yes, mm, the yeah. biggest MQB platformed vehicle yeah. Yeah. ever. And there was sort of uh, talk around the campfire that a Ute will come out of that. Yeah. Not not expected to arrive in Australia because of the left hand drive only. However, being MQB, which means it's a, a yeah. modular platform, never say never. Uh, so yeah, I, I reckon you're right, Mel. There's definitely scope to look at you know, that market in America, particularly. That's the one up from medium uh, is massive, obviously. And I imagine Volkswagen probably wants to get more territory in Southeast Asia, where Ranger and Triton always. Yeah, I'm led to believe that they own, they sell more golfs in a month than they sell they sell Amroks in a year as as a company. So yeah. it's a very very small concern for them, which is yeah, why right. we they haven't really got you know, curtain airbags in an Amarok. Yeah. It's great in every other respect. Some of the safety just falls away. We have to wait for the next generation for that. But to by come the same through. token, you know, you never go broke making a profit. So even if if the volume's smaller, if there's an opportunity there, it seems it's worth exploiting. Absolutely. So you yep. know, yep. understandable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now our very own uh, Chesto has been working furiously over there in Italy and has filed a story that says essentially all these manufacturers are furiously chasing after electric propulsion and autonomous driving. Uh, yet there could be a major impediment, which is cost. That that people won't want to buy these cars because in the initial phases anyway, they're just going to be too expensive. We're all used to that trickle-down effect where the high-tech stuff ends up in premium cars and, and kind of filters down. But all the chats about this is going to be for the mass market and, and you know, you have a guy like Harold Vester from FCA saying he's their, their chief technology officer now. He says you'd need nine radars, seven cameras, five LIDARs, two CPUs, onboard actuators and high-speed connection currently required to reach level five autonomy and at an estimate that's a minimum 30 grand extra you know, on the, on the price of a mass market car. Right. So there's the cost figure 
And there's also just people's appetite, you know. Do the, do they want to give over the wheel to the car and, and all of that? And know? and we all know, unless you're forced to go EV to drive into your city centre or something like that, who's going to bother? Yeah, Particularly if it, if it costs you. But I, I find it, I mean, this makes perfect sense to me because how many international motor shows have we been to, seen, heard, where all you see is autonomous electric concepts? Uh, we're not seeing much reach fruition yet, but we're told they will. Uh, but can you remember the names of any of those concepts? <laughs> no. Do they excite you? But also, that Buzz. is the big question. I, I do buzz because yeah. it's a combi. <laughs> That's right. It's almost it's almost a, a push marketing. You know, if we build enough of them and shove them out there into the network and make it the only thing you can buy, it's like flared pants in the seventies. You know, yeah. everyone wore flares because you couldn't buy anything else. I think to, um, to Mal's point about legislating, if you don't actually tell people that they have to do it, they're not going to. It's a, such a big culture change yeah. to have an electric car, isn't it? It fascinates me how. The demand is nowhere near the investment. Hmm. Like th- these are commercial entities, yeah, and they're all plow, you know, plowing so much into doing this stuff, and no one's asking for it. Yeah, you know, it's one percent of Europe buys EVs and hybrids, well, same as Australia. Without wanting to sound flippant about it, I've been in press conferences where I felt like saying, but didn't, you know, but. Um, have you asked anybody yeah. <laughs> if they want these? They're all kind of one-upping each other and trying to keep ahead of yeah. you know, expected legislation changes. Uh, On the flip side, I remember the first time I drove an, uh, a Mitsubishi iMu, the tiny, tiny little thing. It cost a fortune, had nothing yep. inside of it, and I drove it around where the Cars Guide offices are here in Surrey Hills, and I remember thinking, why does anybody need any more than this? True. Yeah. It's an astonishingly perfect car for inner city dwelling the world is becoming much more urbanized as we go forward and car companies do have a history of long-range thinking yeah so maybe where maybe there isn't demand currently but when it does switch on when governments get to oh, that point with if, if oh, the, and they if, need to be ready it's not a tap you can turn on correct if the future is the bmw i3 i'm Bring all for it, it. <laughs> I, I i love that little car and yeah. we've said that ad nauseum um, it's just such a pleasant vehicle to drive Definitely. and not just because of its drivetrain because the design around it, yep. it's really clever and a really great place to be. Yep. So anyway, well, and Elon's toys are a pile of fun. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they are a pile, a pile, pile of fun. Absolutely, lots yeah. of volts of fun. No <laughs> stockpiling there. They've got to get <laughs> every car they can <laughs> out to the customer. Kilowatt hours of fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, stop it. <laughs> so, a car that most definitely is not powered by an electric drivetrain and is most definitely driven by the person behind the wheel is Aston Martin's latest uh, piece of hardware, which is by name, the DBS Superleggera. So it's, you know, a mega V12, stupid acceleration, half a million bucks. Uh, and look, the feedback on our video has been really interesting. We, we got a, um, an invitation to a bit of a sneak preview. It was launched simultaneously in various places around the world a few weeks before we got to go there, have a look. We made a little video, we've put it up. And the feedback's very interesting in that one person said, oh, it just looks like every other Aston Martin that, um, that's been built in, in recent memory. <laughs> Has anyone ever complained about the look of Aston well, Martin? Well, that's, so that's the thing. I suppose matter. that's all about a certain sameness. Mm. Another one saying it looks like a lazy shark just kind of <laughs> going, you know, fishing for krill um, on the way through the ocean because the grill is enormous. Yeah. I reckon it looks like it's wearing a fencing mask. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, basking shark. And also someone else saying, why make a 2 plus 2? Because it a, it's a 2 plus 2 GT. Yeah. When Why not just make a two-seat sports car and then make you repeat, you know, four-door and be... Be serious about it. I'll give you a tip. Uh-huh. They're going to. Yeah. They're going to put the same stuff on the Vantage. Yeah. And it'll be the Vantage. Yeah. Yeah. 
Used to be hero. used to be the way that the the, the nine eleven to Porsche nine eleven was the two part two plus two for tax reasons. They sure. actually called the car Maybe. a four a four seater uh, in car. terms of in Germany. In, yeah, in, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah, that was the reason. I don't know whether that still applies today. Yeah, but. Maybe there's a, a a way to have more cars in your stable by having a two plus two, well, and then we'll have a two it's interesting too from a user point of view. You know, I've spoken to people that um, own and have the opportunity to drive nine elevens, and they value those little seats yeah, in right. the back. You know that it does actually, particularly if you've got little kids, they can slip in there, and it becomes a a, a useful feature. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Great spot for your picnic basket and such. All that stuff. So, uh, look, the other thing is our very own James Lyle. Um, did some digging this week and we were talking about women uh, finally having the, the right to drive a car in Saudi Arabia. And in the light of that, he found a book that has focused on what were called in the late 1950s GM's design damsels. So it was a, great of, uh, a group of women that Harley Earl had brought together to look primarily at interior design. so And this is the world's first design studio too. It is, the, the first styling studio. Yeah. So this is all about... They called it colour and colour and styling and, and all of that stuff, the look and feel of the car. Uh, and this one uh, person, her name, I will find it. Uh, anyway, she basically came up with a head-up display. So this was high-tech coming out of aeronautics and, and in 1958, a good 30 years before it ever saw light in a production car, she had a full rendering of how a strip speedometer could be reversed and reflected up onto the wow. windscreen. Mm. Um, and it went nowhere... Uh, essentially because much and all as, as Harley Earl was all for it, um, Bill Mitchell, who was the, the boss. boss of the wash, said, no, I don't think so. Um, wow. I, I, I'm not for it. And it didn't go anywhere, but uh, it just seems like such a shame. It does seem incredibly... It's, in terms of who spends a lot of time in cars, even today. Yeah, oh, exactly. You know, who, who does, who does the, the, the drop-offs at school, who does the, the shopping in the cars not being sexist? But um, you, can, you can actually... In terms of general use, like there would be a lot And then of, it got squashed. Oh, yeah. totally. And it was also, it would have been, I mean, it feels like a breakthrough now, but it would have been such a breakthrough then uh, for women in the automotive industry yeah. to be moving beyond what would be their kind of pigeonhole. Oh, yeah, you can do fabrics and you can do colours and you can do all that. To, well, actually, I've had an idea about how you might read um, the instruments um, up on the screen. I think that might have been Susan Vanderbilt. That might be her name. No, look, no? Okay. I, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep. <laughs> she's going. one. Of, she's definitely one of the damsels, and she actually right. uh, stayed on at GM for the next sort of twenty, twenty-five years. Uh, she Ruth, might have been the one Ruth, who the Ruth story Glenny. I read. Ruth Glenny is her name. Ruth Glenny. All but one of the damsels. Uh, careers were halted by Bill Mitchell. Yeah, so yeah right. Susan, yeah, Susan like stayed, the managed to stay on for right. yeah. so the, the soul. I wonder yeah. what Ruth went on to do. I, I don't Google that. I don't know, but <laughs> it seems like such a shame um, yeah. that there was that it's visionary right. thinking. Mm. Um, anyway, now it is time for a word from those gasoline-infused youngsters at Oversteer. What happens when you put three hooligans together in one room? You get a podcast full of hectic banter. Hummer. <laughs> is for any rugged man. This manly scent possesses oh, well, a blend. That, that rules me right out. <laughs> Jeez. Stupid stories. It's it's a cruise ship with all the insides scooped out, water fills it up, and then you put a pirate ship in the middle. Nothing more gangster than a ship in a ship. You're an idiot. And some discussion about cars. So we've got the K cars as well. What do you guys think? There's this new Honda sports concept there. I think it looks so cool. It, it does look a bit funky, mate. The Oversteer Podcast on the Cars Guide website, iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. Great. 
Oversteer. Well, what can you say about them? They can ramble, can't they? Enthusiastic young chaps, aren't Enthusiastic. they? Enthusiastic. Love them. Yeah. Infused. <laughs> Infused with I gasoline like and <coughs> yeah, liquids. All right. So, Robbo, you're with us. In a past life, you have um, edited various uh, magazine titles and other online bits and pieces. One of them has been Auto Action. Yes. As the name implies, focused on motorsport. Yes. And you have tipped us off that we're in the middle of a triple header for Formula One, which, so I think we've gone uh, France, we go Austria, and then Britain. Correct. Um, And that just bubbles up a couple of uh, F1 stories. So let's let's dig into those. Give 100%. Us the, give us the word. This is the first time that we've ever seen a triple header from the Formula One group. It's obviously under new owners now, a group called Liberty. They've really taken the sport post Bernie Eccleston and shaken it up good, good and proper. Social media from the drivers, social media from all the teams. It's really brought the sport to life. And I think having three races in a row will really bubble you know, bring it up to prominence in in the, in the world of the media that goes so yep. fast. Yep. They've had some controversies over the time. They had the, the woman model that waved the flag a, a lap too early in Canada a few oh, weeks right, ago. Right, right. It went around the world. It was, a, And she was told to wave the flag. And the interesting thing was there is that as soon as that flag waves, whether it's the, the model, it's whether the it's the, race. the thing, that they've got to count back a lap. So wow. Daniel Ricciardo had the fastest lap of the race until that moment. He got it taken away and handed to his team, Mac Max, because the I official see. results wow. say that's when the race... That's, that's the Trevor Chapel moment of football. It is very much. Yeah. It was very funny. But talking of Danny Ricky, yes. uh, he is a, he's a marked man in all the best possible ways because the the moment. he's been so consistently fast. He's a proven race winner. He's great in front of a camera. Um, brilliant on the social media, and, and you just mentioned that. He's the whole package. The best smile in sport. Yeah, he's just a great ambassador for motorsport and for Australia and all that stuff. So a lot of teams would love to have him. Yes. Um, and Red Bull has just made the decision to move from Renault Power to a factory Honda engine deal. Yep. And Honda hasn't been setting the world on fire, but what's his possible? There's a potential next step here, Robert. There was a lot of t- a lot of talk around the last race in France. Uh, names like Renault came into the fore as, as a possible option for for Daniel. He's Ferrari. He's been linked with. He's even signed a some sort of prenup deal with the guys, which has lapsed in the last few days. Right. So I would make the make the the uh, assumption that he's not, not going, going there. not going to Marinello next year. Yep. Uh, Mercedes, uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas is off contract at the end of the year. My guess is that Hamilton's just like Lewis Hamilton is like, no, thank you. No, I don't really I don't want, want that guy in my team. Staying put is definitely an option. Uh, that Honda has gone into the uh, Toro Rosso cars, the, the sister team of Red Bull, and has done quite well. Pro- part of the problem with McLaren was they were very restrictive about what Honda could do with their bodywork. Right. If they were allowed to have a little bit more room for cooling and things like this, they might have done a better job. I see. So it's, it's actually quite an interesting right. backstory. Everybody, everybody was caning Honda. Perhaps McLaren were as much at fault with so not the, making that the, package the, work. The, the carrot that McLaren is dangling is a, a, a large payday. Correct. The, the rumours are $20 million US per season. Per season. Is that coming from a particular sponsor? McLaren is. It's interesting to find out where that money would come. Or would would it come from the from the car side of the business? They have got nothing down the side of the car, have they? They they, they run oh. a pretty lean ship when it comes to a yeah. sponsorship side on, on is Formula there, One. Is there, to your knowledge, putting you on the spot? Is there still some tobacco money in the background of Ferrari? I think the 
whether it is this year, the, the colour red is actually a Marlboro colour. You're yeah. not allowed to say the word Marlboro, you're not allowed to breathe the word Marlboro, but there is still tobacco money being funneled the, into the Because even when the stickers were off the car, Correct. they were still the Marlboro, Scuderia, Ferrari, and all all that their, their kind of official stuff. name yep. still had yep. it in it for but a while. Yeah, dude. How on earth do they charge Marlboro for that? It's not like Ferrari's <laughs> going to go, well, association. not That's paying, a... we're going to be black. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. I suppose you're looking at the association over decades of sponsorship that the car is still red. I mean, that's what cigarette companies have to get. You know, that's the level they have to stoop to now. But is, they'd is be red anyway. It's Ferrari. They do. And, <laughs> and look, right. I think that's Daniel an interesting conversation um, gave Red Bull a commitment <clears throat> that I will tell you by September or yes. something like that. Coming so very close. I think we'll. I think by the time that the uh, the circus gets to Britain, um, oh really? I reckon okay. we'll, we might get an answer out of that. And yeah. and one guy who didn't have a great experience uh, with, or is not having a great experience, he's been there twice at McLaren. Is two-time world champion. Uh, Fernando Alonso Correct. and he just seems to zig when he should zag and in glorious hindsight a lot of his decisions have been tragic because the team that he departs comes good yes. the one he goes to falls in a hole yes. um, and you know w- w- he, he may want to just go racing and win races like he just won Le Mans yes. uh, and get that winning feeling and there's a rumour that he might be going outside of F1 so the rumour is very solid and firming up day by day that he'll leave Formula 1 at the end of the season to go IndyCar racing the basic premise behind that is he wants to be only the second person in history right. to be the the winner of the golden the sort of the triumphant of great races Le Mans, Monaco, um, and Indy five hundred. Yep. So he's of, he did the Indy five hundred last year with just a cavalcade of media attention upon him. He led the race uh, with Andretti Motorsport for quite a length of time until an engine failure took him out. As you say, won Le Mans after his first attempt, uh, and then he comes back to to Formula 1 and wobbles around in 14th. He's on the radio oh, saying, no. I've got no brakes, I've got no tyres, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a come down. So the owner of, of McLaren or the, 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 the guy who runs McLaren, Zach Brown, is very interested to keep him happy. In the family Correct. somehow. So McLaren wow. does have a history of IndyCar racing. Uh, we also hear, hear rumours that Scott Dixon, the New Zealand driver who does, does very, very well uh, in IndyCar racing, is being linked to that McLaren squad as wow. well. Wow, really? So Wouldn't be, that be amazing? Because Scott Dixon's been in IndyCar for so long. He has, and he is still an absolute gun. I think he wow. came third at Road America on the weekend, so he's still, he's still right up right there in there. the hunt. Obviously, right. Will Power is an Australian Queenslander who won the Indy 500. Yeah. So there's still yeah. a, a lot of antipathy and interest uh, in, in IndyCar racing. And then Alonso. And then Fernando, he will just... IndyCar is on on the up. It had open-wheel racing in the States has been really problematic. It's Mm. split itself in half over over the last couple of decades. It's on a roll. It's absolutely on a roll. They've just got to make the cars look a little less um, bumper car from the amusement park. And they have. Have a a look at this year, mate. They have taken a lot of that fender stuff off the cars. They look like pucker, old-school, really cool. That's ideal. Not a lot of aero stuff on them. Good hard racing. It says a lot that we don't know that, and it's (laughs) July. (laughs) Well, look... On that note, on that motorsport note, I think we have indeed reached the finish line. Um, I would like to say thank you, Mel. Thank you, James. It's great to have you here, Robert. Thank you, mate. Thank you indeed. And thanks to our producer, Marsden. Thank you. For his and sto- you. His stoic but actually unpredictable work uh, behind <laughs> the scenes. In fact, his personality splits so many ways, he goes to group therapy on his own. <laughs> uh, he is sporting a very stylish look, haircut this yeah, week. And, and thank, thank you for listening. Uh, and please give us your thoughts on anything we've discussed today. Tell us how stupid we are. You know, we, we don't know it all. You know more than we do on any given subject. So don't, don't bottle it up. Let us know. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast 
or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch uh, us on, on YouTube. And if you're an iTunes devotee, please rate and review us. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, a Kia Picanto pulls up next to a Rolls-Royce ghost at the lights. Do you have a drinks cabinet in there? The Kia driver asked the man in the Rolls. Of course I do, comes the pompous reply. Do you have widescreen video? The Rolls driver sighs. Yes, I have that too. Do you have a double bed in the back? The Picanto driver wants to know. Frustrated, the Rolls driver speeds off and that afternoon has a double bed installed in his car. The next day, the Rolls driver passes the same Picanto parked on the side of the road with its windows fogged up and steam pouring out of it. The triumphant driver pulls over, gets out of the Rolls and bangs on the Picanto's window. I want you to know I've had a double bed installed, he brags. The Picanto driver rolls his window down, frowns at the Rolls driver and says, You got me out of the shower to tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for a car play joke. Picanto. Chapau, nice wow. one. Wow. <laughs>